You are now going to be uh, studying in session number nine in the uh, course Confronting the Powers. I want you to see that um, some of the sessions you've gone through, it, I want to encourage you again to maybe email me and let me know how things are going for you. The goal of uh, this class has been to, and this course has been to give you again education, insight to what the enemy's doing, both on a biblical scale and uh, also on a contemporary scale, so that we can be able to look at biblical prophecy and biblical truth and say, hey, this is that which the Word of God has uh, taught about and has demonstrated, and here's how we must respond. So again, welcome to the class and uh, to this session. Some of you may be getting this, um, I think, in a providential way. Maybe you didn't take the class, but somehow it was sent to you, or we've allowed one or two of these sessions to be released uh, because we felt it was vitally important. The course is called Confronting the Powers of the Great Commission. And uh, just the title tells you something. Confronting the Powers is not just about us going around and dealing with the enemy and uh, dealing with those who are demonized, and, and that's all there is to it. It's about the Great Commission and the great work of God, the centrality of sharing Jesus Christ and bringing people to God, of acknowledging who He is, what He has done, and uh, sharing him with everybody around us. So let me um, encourage you that as you continue this class that one of the most vital issues is that you are part of the great commission of God. See, worship is the privilege and witness is the mission. Everything else accompanies that mission. Uh, The power of God is given for that mission. The word of God is given for both uh, our own building up and also uh, our development in this mission. So the great work of God is the evangelization of the world, the desire to reach every human being, and uh, we are to be a part of that. Session 9 deals with something that I think that maybe the church is 10, 15 years behind on understanding. I really believe that it's uh, because uh, we have not been uh, trained systematic uh, in our theologies uh, over the years, that we have left out major segments Uh, If you look at a lot of the systematic theology volumes that have taught pastors and leaders uh, back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, uh, probably none of them have a a whole segment on spiritual warfare. And uh, it's vital that uh, nowadays we need to do that. And uh, I've said this before, more books on spiritual warfare have been written uh, since the 80s than in the entire history of the church. And there's a reason for that, because of what is coming down the pike Um, and what is among us right now. If there are millions and millions of those who are Luciferians, uh, those who are involved in the underground, those who are developing this satanic agenda, then uh, the church should understand something. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So the church is indestructible, indefeatable, unstoppable. And the best um, is when the church is in great obedience to the Great Commission. And that is when the greatest level of uh, power, grace, might, and uh, manifestation of, the, of, of God is, is uh, unleashed, uh, as we see in the book of Acts. Session 9, though, deals with the ramping up of the last days. And my personal belief is that the more we see of ritual, you know, demonic warfare, ritual workings, and so forth, uh, I simply see that as the uh, fulfillment of what we find in Revelation 18. 
How do the demons get manifest in the world around us? How do we begin to see that there's more books and more books and literature and more groups that are seeking spirits and manifesting uh, the dark presence? Well, because, uh, you know, it's a progressive thing. And uh, deeper rituals and broader rituals and more powerful rituals are going to be unleashed. So it's very important for us to understand that the church not only learn uh, in its basic discipleship spiritual warfare, but we need to learn that there is a level of ritual warfare, occult spiritual warfare, that has been and will continue to flow against the church um, to the days that Jesus returns. And uh, we need to understand uh, not only the presence and power of those workings, uh, but we need to how to respond to them. So on page 27, uh, session 9, in your notes, the key at the top of the page there says this, The laws of manifestation are the same for both sides. God will live in and work through the believing, willing servant. His purpose, presence, power, and all supernatural works will come through the faith-filled, obedient Christian. It is the same on the dark side. Satan seeks and comes in and through his willing servants. If they pray, quote, if they pray or do rituals and allow Satan or demons to operate through them, satanic power and dark supernatural works will flow. Why do you think 2 Thessalonians teaches that in the ramping up and in the actual actual enthronement, uh, visible unveiling, not only, listen, the visible unveiling is, you know, I don't know how old Antichrist will be when he's visibly unveiled to the world. Jesus was 30. Please understand that Antichrist may be on the earth 30 years prior to his unveiling to the world. And that means that behind the scenes, that there are some of the most deepest workings of the secret power of lawlessness uh, ever. And um, some of the broadest and widest types of rituals will be uh, flowing uh, underground and uh, all around us. So when you begin to read Second Thessalonians chapter two, which is a very key uh, chapter to understand even occult level warfare, uh, that the um, coming of the lawless one, the parousia, his arrival eventually into the world and in into the public domain, will come in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles. So, will Aleister Crowley, uh, was, was he able to do things and create things and do powers and unleash things and do the Babylon working and everything else? Yes. Um, did uh, Helena Blavisky and Alice Bailey and all the rest of them uh, engage powers and listen to ascended masters and, and have uh, you know, in, in involvement with them? Absolutely yes. Can Satanists who have learned rituals conjure spirits and send them against people? Yes. Can there be curses and spells and um, you know things done against people? Yes. That's true in Santeria, Palamaombi, the Abakwa. That's true in Voodoo and Hoodoo and uh, Kintabali. That's true uh, in old, old um, ritual workings and magic. All the way back to Ephesus where they would sell scrolls and manuscripts and amulets and things and so forth uh, to be able to learn to conjure powers, to get blessings. A lot of it has to do with uh, you know protecting yourself, bless, quote, blessing others. Even the Wiccans, uh, you know, they want to just bless and do things and nice things. But when it comes down to Luciferians, they have, lo- they have learned powers uh, of not only acquiring a presence and powers within themselves, 
but how to unleash them. And that's what we're going to talk about in this session, how that uh, all of us as believers in Jesus Christ will have spiritual warfare. We will have at times oppression come against us in which we feel, let me mention the four things, oppression, attack, attachment, and possession. And uh, oppression is when we have that um, kind of like involuntary feelings, involuntary thoughts coming to us, uh, negative things coming where we're just feeling like a cloud is around us and uh, we just feel agitated and, and doubts and worries and fears in, in, in you know, an abnormal way coming against us, an oppression, a cloud around us. Or the attack, uh, Ephesians 6 also talks about the day of evil, like Job, where Satan does numerous things in our lives over a period, you know, a short period to cause us to collapse and get angry at God. Uh, attachment is when we open the doors in the flesh. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 down. If you don't deal with anger, for example, and, and uh, you let the sun go down and you hold on to anger and bitterness, uh, that gives Satan a foothold, a right, an opportunity to begin to operate in that area of your life. Possession, of course, is for those who have opened the door totally to Satan and allowed demons to come in and uh, control, to take over and control them. Well, it's all about, again, the laws of manifestation are, are the same for both sides. Uh, you've got to be willing to come to Christ. You've got to, be, you've got to open your heart. He knocks at the door of a heart. You've got to turn to Him. Uh, it's true in, in being filled with the Spirit of God that you open wide, Psalm 81.10, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. The idea that uh, God will uh, fill the heart and life of those who are totally open. And we're to believe God with all of our heart, not just part of it. Well, the truth's on the other side. When they're believing Satan, believing Lucifer, believing those doctors, believing the demons... Um, just as we receive Jesus and the Spirit of God and even charismatic spiritual giftings, uh, they also receive demonic presence, uh, demonic empowerments, abilities, things that they could use in their life. We get down and have prayer meetings to pray for the advance of the kingdom of God, for revivals, for people to be healed, for uh, non-believers to be convicted by the Spirit of God, to be brought to Christ. They get down and pray, Yes, pray, a type of praying, or do rituals uh, to uh, do things against Christians or against what they conceive as an enemy, uh, and also for the advancement. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you from my experiential side. In the last 20-some years, and all the things we've done and the reap trips that we've done all over the place and the places that we've been, here's what I'm convinced of, that there are many, many local covens meeting all over the place. Father Shefton, in his book on Satanism, years ago said that he estimated 100,000 covens in the United States. As I've delved into Satanists and Luciferians and asked them and dealt with uh, many of them over the years now, I've asked them again why, and why, you know, why there are so many of them, why they meet so often, not just on Halloween, not just on Walpurgis night, but on many, many times, you know, almost every week uh, and, and monthly and, and full moons and so forth. Um, it's to constantly do rituals uh, to unleash dark presence, to continually unleash uh, demonic stuff, to do uh, targeted spiritual warfare, and to advance the kingdom of Satan. Please understand, Christian, for everything we have, there's a counterfeit and an opposite in the kingdom of darkness. And the only reason that they're going to have that levels of, of manifestation is because they're praying for it. They're ri doing rituals for it. They're seeking to manifest that power because it comes through the same way God's powers come through. We as Christians do not determine God's will. We advance it as we pray. 
we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They do rituals and, in a sense, pray and, and do what they do to advance the kingdom of darkness, to enthrone uh, Satan, to have uh, major, major ritual times. So that when we have revivals and when we have seen great spiritual awakening, they also believe in, in kind of satanic revivals and, and uh, eventually going to believe that there's going to be a great satanic awakening, a black awakening, uh, to unleash the greatest flow of satanic powers uh, ever in history, which is the platform for the rise of Antichrist, as we've already talked about. Well, on page 27, let's go on down to A. Satan has power. Now, if you believe the Word of God, you know that he does. If you read uh, Mark chapter 5, you see that the powers of the demons that uh, tore up that man's life, they could not chain him. He had supernatural strength. Uh, the demons can give powers of clairvoyance, telekinesis. Uh, they can give powers... Um, for healing, uh, they can give every kind of counterfeit working, sign, wonder, miracle. Uh, eventually, you're going to see even the working of the raising of the dead, which some of the satanic chosen ones told me they've been working on for years to learn how to really raise the dead. They, they Literally, they've told me they've done rituals again and again and again where they've taken people to death trying to use satanic powers to raise them from the dead, demon powers to raise individuals from the dead. Now, notice this. Romans chapter 1 tells us, who through the spirit of holiness, the spirit of God, raised Jesus back to life. So obviously by the power of God, Jesus was raised. We are told in the book of Ephesians, the same power that was exerted to raise Jesus from the dead is operating in every Christian. That same power. Awesome, isn't it? Well, the other side has power also. Power to do things power to influence, power to unleash. Jesus said that he gave us authority in Luke 10 to overcome all the power of the enemy. So Jesus acknowledges, and we see the Greek word dunamis used, or the Greek word erge for works of Satan, uh, kind of a, the inner, where we get the word energy, uh, where Satan operates with power and energy. So it's acknowledged in 2 Thessalonians 2, the secret power of lawlessness. Uh, there's a secret operating power, operating, working, supernaturally working in the world around us. There is a, a uh, uh, Illuminati in, a, in the biblical sense of those who are committed to Lucifer that are allowing the highest levels of that satanic power to operate. They are doing their powers to advance their cause. They are doing their powers to unleash. When I'm praying, I'm praying for the Spirit of God to move on people, to move in a church service, uh, to move in the midst of a counseling uh, session, uh, and so forth. As I, as I take my authority and use it against the demonic realm, uh, where they have authority and where they have uh, real, true, manifested power in and through their servants, they will also operate. So the premise here in occult ritual warfare is that there are real powers. This is not a game. This is not. This is just simply not a game. And if you're just simply a rationalistic Christian, if you're a Christian that says, well, you know, I don't believe in any of these you know, powers and those things, then listen, you're, you're going to be basically of no use um, when it comes to dealing with larger and broader evangelism, let alone protection in the body of Christ. Why do you think God gave us and told us to put on the armor of God it has everything to do with our ability to stand when Satan attacks, uh, to manifest the mighty power of God by putting on and leaving on actively uh, the armor of God. We manifest the mighty power of God in us and through us. 
and we are shielded, as it says in Peter chapter 1, shielded by God's power through faith. So, just as on our side, you cannot be saved without... the Salvation is the power of God. The Word of God is the power the power in the Word, power in prayer. Uh, so, Acts chapter 9, verse 22, what does it tell us? That uh, Paul grew more and more powerful uh, according to the power that is at work within us, Ephesians chapter 3 talks about. So there is an incomparably great power, Ephesians chapter 1, in those who believe in Jesus Christ, but we must, we must acknowledge biblically and experientially that there are satanic powers and workings on the other side. Two things. We must not be unaware or unwilling. Two things that are vital right now in the body of Christ. These are two key elements. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about how we are not uh, un- unaware of Satan's methods so that he might outwit us. So I think it's very important that we really understand how it is that they operate, how it is that they work. You know, in Daniel's day, the Bible says that God gave to Daniel all the literature and learning of the Babylonians. And all the literature and learning of the Babylonians would have been occultic and ritualistic and uh, to, under their gods and goddesses and so forth. But he had an awareness and understanding. He didn't participate, but he knew. He didn't bury his head in the sand like many Christians today do. And it's a sad thing. So many Christians just told me, man, I'm really afraid of that kind of stuff. I don't even want to deal with it. Oh, if you don't think about it. You, no, you, you can't be like the three little monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Uh, Jesus told us to be bold witnesses. And we're, we're, we need to follow the example of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 2, or chapter 1, chapter 1 in that, that book, where he says, we are not unaware uh, of his schemes, the Greek word uh, methodology of his methods, so that he might outwit us. Do you want to be outwitted? You know, Do we want to see the church outwitted again and again and again because uh, Satanists, Luciferians, and others, and Satanic super soldiers are coming into our churches and faking like they're Christians and faking like they're part of the body of Christ, and all the while they're unleashing ritual warfare and their covens release, releasing ritual warfare to attack the pastor, to bring the church down. They're testing their powers on the one hand. Uh, they're developing more on the other hand. And they want to do harm. They think it's a great thing uh, to come against individual believers and whittle their way in and infiltrate and so forth. So we're trying to, in this entire course, uh, teach believers biblically not to be unaware of the schemes, the workings, and the methods of Satan himself as he operates in and through his servants. We don't want to be unwitted, you know, outwitted. And uh, we don't want Satan to be running circles around uh, the body of Christ or our own lives. And we don't have to have that happen. Uh, Jesus, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, always runs circles around the dragon. And if we're walking with Jesus in His power and His presence and we're aware, uh, then we're going to see God continue to run circles around Satan um, instead of the opposite. Well, number one, don't be unaware and also don't be unwilling. James chapter 4 where we're spoken about in there is to submit to God, resist the devil. The word resist, it's actually used twice um, in that way in the, in, in, in the New Testament, also in, in Acts chapter 8, uh, 7 rather, where Stephen uh, preaches to the Jews and says, you are stiff, stiff-necked, uncircumcised, you always resist the Holy Spirit. They resisted the Holy Spirit. They put their foot down in the sand, and they grunted, they, they gritted their teeth. They were like, absolutely not. Um, that's the power of this word, resist. 
It means to just utterly, completely put your foot down. And uh, there is a will within us as believers. God is at work in them that believe to will and to do according to His great pleasure, as we read about in Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Philippians. So please don't be unwilling to learn, to grow, to exercise uh, spiritual warfare, to witness and so forth. You and I are to be fully willing. We're to have our wills completely engaged. If you've ever read Jesse Penn Lewis and the book War on the Saints, uh, and I recommend the unedited version, if you're able to read the big version, but you're going to see major uh, stuff that is talked about uh, concerning uh, in the midst of great spiritual awakening, there's also backlash of the enemy. And one of the ways that Jesse Penn Lewis uh, talks about in that book is uh, the passivity of will. When Christians' wills are passive and, and just, just literally uh, uh, weak, um, that Satan is able to press upon us things and bring oppression much easier. The Bible tells us, submit to God. That's a willful thing. We're, we're born now of the Spirit of God. Our will now is empowered um, to serve and to walk with God, and uh, we're to uh, fully engage. So if uh, you are going through things, you're to submit to God, believe Him, trust Him, obey Him. Submit to God clearly. That's a strong thing. Do it now. Uh, don't sit around contemplating all day and thinking about it. Uh, no, just submit to God. And along with that, resist uh, Satan and all of his attempts in your life and everything that he's doing. Use warfare. Speak against him around you. Clear the air around you. Um, you know, Quote the Word of God if you need to. Um, and uh, you're going to find that if you re- submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, God will definitely draw near to you. Um, and uh, But that involves the sense of being willing and willful. And uh, um, as a believer, your will should be fully engaged. In spiritual warfare, your will is fully engaged. Remember David and Goliath and the soldiers? In the Old Testament, this is the picture we have there, that uh, the soldiers are in the rocks. David went down to deal with Goliath as he was there as a threat, uh, speaking against the God of heaven and uh, doing all that he was doing. And it wasn't until there was somebody who would be aware and uh, willing to go down onto the field of battle in the name of the God of heaven to deal with this. And, of course, God demonstrated his presence and power uh, where a believer, a believer went down on the field of battle and uh, engaged. So it's vital that we understand that in the area of cultic uh, warfare, occult uh, ritual and occult spiritual warfare. When uh, real Luciferian Satanists and others are beginning to do spells, hexes and curses, rituals against you maybe, uh, your church or people you know, um, they have opened the door. Well, that's under B, page 27, uh, B. Occult warfare, uh, power encounters. Old Testament examples, Moses in the court of Pharaoh. Remember when he walked in and the magicians came and they threw down their staves and they turned into snakes and uh, demonstrated a satanic power and so forth. Well, Moses then was instructed to throw down the rod of God and it turned into a snake that devoured the others. The principle is here is that there's real satanic powers, real satanic magic with the K, like Aleister Crowley. There's real workings. They can summon powers. They can invoke demons. They can use sigils, symbols, and so forth in the ancient languages. Uh, They can do blood rituals and so forth to bring about manifestations of supernatural demonic workings. 
The New Testament, as I already mentioned, the counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles listed in 2 Thessalonians 2 is all by demonic power. There could be healings, sight, astral projection, all kinds of things. Demonic visions and, and insights and seeing, the opening of the uh, inner spiritual capacity. They call it the third eye. The book of Ephesians says for you and I that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God would enlighten the eyes of our heart. We have the capacity to see and perceive spiritually. We are to see and see, see and perceive spiritually by the Holy Spirit. They will see spiritually by the operation of demons that will open them up, and they call it a third eye. Well, Revelation 16 through 1919, we also see some of the highest level of working. In chapter 16, uh, when the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, to me, that's like the ultimate ritual right there. They're already powered up, but they come together, then they open their mouths, and out of their mouths come three demons that look like frogs, an ancient demonic deity. And they go out to deceive the kings of the earth. Now, notice the principle. They gather together, almost like in a triangulation. They gather together to um, unleash. Now, they're targeting also. Notice the, the, the principle in Revelation 16. Now, read it over. Because when the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet open their mouths, they unleash spirits. Remember when the disciples were there in Jesus in the, book of John, the Gospel of John, the last couple of chapters? And Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's real. The idea of the pouring out of the Spirit. that uh, um, Even the idea of God, who is Spirit, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, you know, where we read uh, where He breathed in Him the breath of life. Nephesh. The, uh, um, the, the Spirit. Well, they breathe out spirits. They unleash spirits. And those spirits go out to deceive through miraculous signs and wonders, miraculous things, satanic, supernatural things. They have just done a ritual there in Revelation. It hasn't occurred yet, but it will. Revelation 16, to go out to deceive the kings of the earth, uh, to draw them to battle against the visible return of Jesus Christ. This is what I think is happening at the Bohemian Grove, where the mock, quote, they say it's a mock ritual, uh, an effigy maybe of Moloch's uh, worship, uh, an ancient deity, where an effigy of a human being is thrown into the fire, and uh, the cremation of care, and all those people are there, all those world-renowned people, politicians, uh, financers, and uh, bankers, and and businessmen and everything else. But notice what happens when I saw the video of it. Uh, if you go to, uh, gosh, I, I don't even remember, just look up Bohemian Grove on and the video on uh, the web, and you'll find that video where they're showing that whole thing. And guess what's going to happen? They're doing this major ritual, and these people that are sitting across the little lake have no idea that the ritual's being done so that powers will be sent out on them to influence them. For world affairs, for wealth, uh, for the demonization. Um, and we see that happening right there. So it's very important that as you go through this time, if you have any uh, remembrances of being a child taken to the Masonic Temple, to uh, ritual format, to Wiccan circles, pagan, it could be a, quote, a light level thing that was done, a simple little 
you know, 15-minute spell that was done by, you know, a Polero or a Babalao or, you know, a Santorian, um, you know, priestess or something like that. It could be anybody doing any of those kind of things if they're really real and in touch with those dark powers and they conjure powers or they do stuff, whether light or heavy, they are literally doing things. They are, they are, they are the ones opening doors, giving the legal rights and allowing things to flow through. Well, on page... 28. I'm going to go over some of the uh, direct things that are going to be occurring, uh, that are going to be happening. And uh, I'm telling you now, and I hope that you will get this marked down, that you will try to influence uh, leaders and pastors to get a hold of this that will really understand that spiritual warfare, uh, even though there's a lot of books and we're reading a lot of things, I personally believe from what I see and know uh, that uh, we are way behind uh, the scale on what we need to understand. Now, when the spies, you know, went into Jericho and they came back out, or when they went into the land and came back out, uh, they had to tell the truth. Now, I'm just telling you the truth, that there are uh, giants in the land, there are occult-level warfare, things like that, but I'm also pronouncing to you, not in fear, not for the, us not to go into the land and do the work that we need to do. I'm telling you that we need to ramp up our, our uh, daily prayer. We need to be at our post every single day. In churches, we need to allow our churches to move 10, 15, 20 minutes of prayer time in the midst of a worship service instead of 30 seconds one pastor prays or one deacon prays. That's crazy. That is not even biblical. You look You look at uh, Acts chapter 4 where they raised their voices together to God in prayer and they prayed like crazy. Or you read in Timothy chapter 2 where it says, the Holy Spirit says, I, I urge then first of all, priority and urgency that prayers be unleashed in the church. Um, so it's absolutely crazy for the churches to gather together for an hour or even an hour and a half. And, uh, and uh, you know, we can do everything but barely, barely invoke any prayers. That's crazy. We need prayer meetings on a weekly basis. We need to have our own prayer partners. But every one of us as individual Christians have great power to weld if we get on our knees. Listen, as I encourage you to get daily to be at your post, I believe you should be there on the morning and in the evening. Morning watch, night watch. Every single morning as you're pouring out your worship to Jesus and your intercession for the church, for souls, praying about all the things you need to pray about, and every single day then you're also unleashing spiritual warfare and the authority of Christ excuse me, against demonic presence, against uh, what you know is around you, being discerning and asking the Holy Spirit you know, to, to take you... Uh, uh, to a level of uh, warfare where you know things um, and where you're able to engage. So the Holy Spirit needs you to pray against uh, dark presence, territorial presence, workings around your neighborhood, around your church. Then you need to do that. Well, we're on page 28 at the top. I'm going to go over all these listings. And uh, they're very, very vital as we take a look at them. Um, the methods and doorways of occult warfare.